to show you what I'm working with. Uh, well, Alibaba, he had them 40 thieves. Shahrazad, he had a thousand tails. But master, you're in luck because up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. Heavy ammunition in your Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 122. I'm your host, Prince Ali of Babwa, and with me as always... Uh... Dracula and Popeye are both examples of lawful evil. Tambo Master, David Brennan. Okay, where did that come from? <laughs> I, I saw the live-action uh, Aladdin this weekend. That's where mine came from. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's just confused by that one. <laughs> uh, pr- uh, probably not. Probably uh, the, not. The demo of Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden 2. Oh, which the character creation will give you a character alignment and then declare that whatever alignment you got, Popeye and Dracula are both examples of it. But the first thing I got was Lawful Evil, so I got given the statement, Popeye and Dracula are both examples of Lawful Evil. Nice. Okay, in context, this still fails to make sense, but it still makes context. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, yes, much context Baker from it. Japan, and not nearly as apparently punch drunk as Dave or Wheels. <laughs> uh, Listen, you already got all this saga stuff. We're we got it. We're gonna get all this saga stuff now. So we're losing our minds a bit, or I am at least. There's there's a yeah. lot. There's there's still definitely the E3 hangover. So. Mm-hmm. <sighs> hey, I'm, I'm willing to talk a lot about a demo of a silly parody Western RPG that finally just shambled onto the internet. So, what? It's back. Barclay Shut Up and Jam Guide in Chapter Two just got a demo released. Yes, <laughs> I thought that thing was dead forever. So it did we, probably kind of. is. <laughs> but the developers, when they realize, like the developers, apparently all got together because they wanted to have. To show what the game would have been if it was finished. So they put together a demo where you can wander around the first quest area and do a lot of very strange quests. <laughs> I'm wondering how much larger it is than the version I saw at TGS four years ago. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, probably a fair bit. Like they, They've been doing some discussion. They've been doing some like posts on the Kickstarter that are basically explaining... Why the game died, and like what parts of it are already done, and it's hilarious to look at it because they've got like this chart of how hideously overcomplicated their like quest time system was. But then there's <laughs> also uh, explanations of things like this. This is very near and dear to my heart as a Saga fan because one of the things that they did was that they designed a gun breeding system. <laughs> that is deliberately way, way overcomplex. If you ever worked out how it worked, it would just be stupid because the idea is just that you're supposed to, like, you get the gist of it, and when you have the gist of it, you can kind of intentionally get the things that you want out of the gun breeding. But, if but there's you try... like 43 million different combinations, as I recall. Yeah, it's. And ridiculous. I think it's I got in an interview, I actually got him to spell out probably the longest possible gun name in the game. Oh, oh man. And I can't gun. even remember, but it was, I remember the parts shotgun of nothing but rap and country. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that that was like the first oh part of the very end part, and there was a ton of other stuff in between. Oh my god! So like there was supposed to be a gun that shot bees as bullets, and whenever the bees hit something, they would infest the target with a hive that would start producing more bees to attack other units. But yeah, there's been a lot of like weird energy around that recently because like basically someone came, uh, someone who'd worked on the game basically said it was dead, and then other people like were like, yeah. It's- probably dead but i'm still working on it and then like some of them got back together to actually put out an official demo and like a few of them will probably keep working on it but most of them will probably move on but it's, it's a cute demo it's got a lot of good dumb jokes about like they they really enjoyed like as is typical of barkley they really enjoyed like getting hung up on very specific like descriptors so like people keep pointing out that my character is wearing a a jerkin made out of corn husks, which I think they were just really amused by the name jerkin. But also, that sounds like, about right. But yeah, it's 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 funny. It's it's a fun, stupid game. Uh, everyone who can get hold of the demo should go through the character creation process at least once, just for all of the stupid questions that they'll ask you. So. Yeah, the demo is supposed to go out to non-backers in a little while once the, some of its more heinous uh, technical issues are fixed. But yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of interesting technical issues, I just started up Scar- um, uh, Saga Scarlet Grace again. Yay. That's always like a terrifying thing to say about something that's been released. Oh, no, I mean, there's nothing actually technically wrong with it. It's just um, I had to put some more thought into how the systems in the game actually work. Ah, fair, fair. And before I managed to bog myself down 15 hours in with quote-unquote easy-scaled battles that were impossible to beat. Um, Again. Yes, you do. Yeah. So, for example, this is like the first game since Legend 3 that only lets you put one weapon on the character at a time. Um... Mm. But but the game actively rewards you for swapping out weapons between battles and learning new techniques. Hmm. However, it does not quite spell this out for you at the beginning. It's Saga. Yep. Uh, a... uh, you gotta you gotta play that now, or you can still lord it over us because the <laughs> they announced uh, the releases in the US, but they sure didn't give like an exact date. They just said coming soon. Yep. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But hey, Who at knows? least we got Trials of Mana right away. That's, that's yeah, that something. was that's that's open. Yep. Alright, so do we have we have questions that we blissfully ignored last time. Because there was just so much more exciting stuff going on, yes. yes. Listen, that stuff is still ongoing, but we, we've come down just a little bit. Uh, let's see. Want to hit this Budai Pokemon question? Yeah, is Pokemon something that should always be turn-based? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're talking about a series that is defined by its iterative nature, yeah. and um, 
it's uh, that would be like making a mainline Dragon Quest game that was completely action based. You would end up with such a massive backlash from the fandom, a la Dragon Quest Nine, that they went and changed it. <laughs> Thank you, Nine. And even then, they were getting themselves they were getting the game review bombed in certain areas because certain fans just did not like the fairy character. Yeah, yeah. Review bombing is not a particularly uh, English fandom specific uh, activity. <laughs> yeah, it just happens a lot more in America, apparently. Um, yeah. I haven't seen that many games in Japan that had that much of a reaction to do it. Yikes. It seems to happen mostly with like big JRPG releases. I think several of the Final Fantasy since have also been review bombed at various places, but yeah. Yeah, like, I, I would say that there's not really room in the mainline Pokemon for uh, for an action-based game. I, like, you could probably make a spin-off. I mean, certainly they've made spin-offs of everything else, but, like, mainline games kind of have to be turn-based. I mean, people are currently flipping out over a completely, uh, over a different kind of loss of continuity, so imagine what they'd do if the gameplay got fundamentally reworked, so... Mm -hmm. We gonna we gonna discuss that at all? That thing that's happening. <laughs> Which thing? Which thing that's happening? Uh, people being uh, completely like very very angry that the uh, the Pokemon Sword and Shield will not allow you to transfer in Pokemon that are not in the Galar Pokedex. Uh, okay. You will like you can send them to the Pokemon Home. You cannot transfer them into Pokemon. Uh, Sword and Shield, because the, those Pokemon just aren't in that game's data yet. <laughs> I'm hoping that the yet part is relevant. The indication they've given is that they're not sure if content updates will add them to Pokemon Sword and Shield, or if they're just going to have to be iterated into future releases. Like, People immediately took this as we're going to trim Pokemon out of the Pokedex and they're never coming back. It seems which... a bit absurd. Which was a very strange interpretation to take, but yeah. like the actual... so of course it's the one that so many loud people took. Of course, oh, naturally. naturally. Uh, but yeah, they clarified they don't know if they'll be updating if they'll be doing title updates to Pokemon Sword and Shield to add Pokemon to that Pokedex so that you'll be able to transfer them in, or if it's just going to have to wait for like Pokemon Spear or like Pokemon whatever the next generation is. But I I don't fully blame them as it's a lot of it's it's a lot it's a we're, lot we're at already so over eight hundred I believe with uh, well I mean with with Sword and Shield it's going to be well over nine hundred if it's not a thousand yeah and I I'm wondering how many hundreds of those are like complete gutter trash as well how many of those are the same bird yeah. Yeah. With a slightly that part doesn't company. matter. What matters is that as humans, we form unnaturally strong attachments to random things that do not actually exist. And yeah. so some people have been holding on to the same bits of digital data for over a decade. Yeah, yeah. like, it, 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 I would feel I would be able to get up in arms in this more if they had any intention, if they weren't intending to just make it so that, oh, the next game will. You know, we'll have made more of these models. We'll be adding more of them back in. So it's just like, eh, they could, you can afford to let some of your old favorites sit in Pokemon Home for a little while. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, 
again, I, I can understand why they would have to limit it just because the sheer number of new models on new technology. It's new it's models, new new animation yeah. rigging. I mean, it's like remember um, in X and Y, some people were upset because certain flying types didn't get in on the flight battles. Oh yeah, <laughs> because of issues with tra- um, altering their sprites to actual to the actual movements required. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember people were people were upset at Sun and Moon because it didn't have an, a national dex in some capacity. Mm. So yeah, like this is just sort of something they've been playing at the edges. Like the the size of the Pokedex has become, you know, the greatest strength and greatest weakness. Is that like any time we have to change technologies, this is going to become burdensome. So I think the idea that they're just going to start, you know, they're going they've they have made the reasonable decision that they're going to have to cycle things in as they finish making them. <laughs> I would suspect that, like most of the Kanto decks, will probably work because they'll probably be able to make relatively minor alterations to the Let's Go models. But yeah. Oh boy, those again. <sighs> you take you take what you take what is already made, or else you waste a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. You don't, yep. okay. don't catch my ten million. You're going. You you. I didn't say that they'll all be in the Galar decks. I was saying that I suspect if there's title updates, those will be the first ones to be uh, made. Yeah, that's true. Because they're made and they're of a similar spec. Um, also, I I mean, people were already losing it over seeing a Machamp like chase down your character, looking like he's about to beat the hell out of you. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, we actually had like an additional question to this. Uh, I'll take that further and ask if Pokemon is something that should always stay one v one for the most part, or could it be a party based battle where four Pokemon take on a group of un- uh, enemies in turn based combat? Of course, because the answer to Budai's question is yes. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, like it, this thing- is. Okay. Saying, this is one of those things, much like an action based Pokemon game, where it would be much. It would make much more sense as a side spin off. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, with Pokemon and Dragon Quest, that's what you do with all the other interesting ideas that don't actually fit into your normal paradigm. You just make a second game that has the name and some other extra title. Yeah. I, like, I think the way that I, I look at this is that you can tell how much that Pokemon is designed around the 1v1 style just based on the fact that, like, non-1v1 battles in Pokemon are slow. They're really, really slow. Because the game is paced around mostly doing 1v1. The non-1v1s are supposed to be kind of like these special occasions. So, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't really... Like, go back and look at, like... They did make games that were based around two-on-two battles. They made Colosseum and XD Gale of Darkness on the GameCube. And, the like, there, there are multiple problems with those games. They're kind of low-budget. They don't have... They don't have really any non-battling content. But... A, a very common complaint is these games are really, really slow. Because the interface design and the actual flow of combat is still built around the same Pokemon and moves that are meant for one-on-one battles, and they take forever. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I think that, like, 
It's interesting to note that if you go back and look at the uh, information people have found about development of like the GBA Pokemon games, which is the one time that they really had to just leave continuity behind entirely. Uh, like they made a... Uh, it's even the words I'm looking for. Uh, like they, that was the one where they had to completely rip out the under the hood and recreate the games from scratch. They could not use anything again. And that was the one time where they actually considered changing this. I believe there's development information about like them considering more than six Pokemon in a party or more than four moves on each Pokemon, which was like partly a balancing concern, but it was also partially like, well, this makes the amount of data that the GB that the Game Boy has to keep track of smaller, so like this is what fits. And I think they ultimately came to the conclusion that the game just didn't feel right when they didn't have those limitations, so they're just probably going to stick with them. Mm-hmm. So, again, you could maybe do a spin-off where Pokemon can, say, use more than four moves and be in groups more, but it would have to abandon large elements of the Pokemon battle system as a whole. And if you think that people are angry about uh, leaving behind a bunch of Pokemon, think about how they'll be leaving behind a bunch of moves and mechanics, and yeah, it'll, it'll be a bloodbath. So maybe a spin-off one day. <laughs> I don't I mean, we had Pokemon Conquest. Yeah, and that was a spin-off. That worked. Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking about... I am assuming that we will never ha- see that type of sea change in a mainline Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the apparent open-world portion of Sword and Shield is a big enough change as it is. Uh. Man, Conquest was such a strange game to have happened. <laughs> yep. Kind of neat, though. Really fun, but very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Nobunaga running around with his, like, shiny space snake. Yep. Hey, I still have the Black Gyarados card. Oh, nice. Yeah, came with the game. <laughs> that, was, that was one of those ones that I remember people hearing about Pokemon Nobunaga's ambition and being unclear as to what Nintendo would do about that in the West, if anything. So. That was a late DS game as well, wasn't it? Yep. Well, fairly late. I think the DS still had like two years of publication after that. Yeah, but it was, it was about it was about the end of Nintendo releasing first party titles for it. Yeah, it was 2012. So yeah, and I mean most of the DS releases for 2014 were Japan only. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think we're all basically in agreement. Like, you can make plenty of Pokemon spin-offs, and they, I'm sure they will, but the mainline series is kind of set in stone as to yeah. what its core tenets are. Make some new fun spin-offs. Go wild. Mm-hmm. People will probably Pokemon, buy those, too. Pokemon Hospital. I don't know what plays that is. Chansey. She plays, plays a Chansey. Plays a Chansey and a Meowth. Pokemon Muso. Oh, don't, don't. I've, I've had enough. We already have Pokken Tournament. That was that was already weird enough. Pokemon versus Street Fighter. No. <laughs> I will not watch... Too far? <laughs> I will not watch Ryu punch a Pikachu in the face. Oh, no, he'd only try, but then he'd get zapped in the face himself. Oh... Oh, no, I'm not visualizing it in my mind. No, no. <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on. 
What mistakes uh, were made with the Wii U? Oh, we could oh. be here forever. Um, let's just stick with the name. I mean, the name is a big one, but it's probably not even in the top ten. Yeah, there's a lot there. Like, it's how they presented it at first, where they just showed the controller, which made it unclear what it was. It's like the choices they made about its architecture to try to keep it in continuity with the GameCube and Wii, where they made, like, a weird four four or five Wiis to stuck together that didn't really work together that well. It's, there's a lot under the hood about what's wrong with the Wii U. Like, the gimmick was not strong enough to immediately be clear why a consumer should care about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, I mean, it it looked too much like the Wii. It sounded like the Wii. It quacked like a duck. It swam like a duck. And it looked, in all knowledge, just looked too much like the system that already had a insanely high market share in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, so took, why buy a new one? It took too long to get some like killer apps too. Yeah, like yeah, those. Like I like a lot of those early Wii U games, but like. They aren't games you buy a system for. They're games you buy when you already have a system. And most of the really good games early on were dual-release Wii and Wii U anyway. Let's all play some new Super Mario Brothers U. That's a good platformer. Go pick that up on your Switch. You'll be happier anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> like that's, that's kind of the thing. Is that like they, they, It was just a kind of comedy of errors after a while. I mean, like Super Mario 3D World, like it was built in the mold of a 3DS game, and, like, that's cute, but at the same time, it makes people wonder why they bother, because they already have the 3DS game. They expected a different experience, and it is a different experience, but it doesn't look like a different experience. Uh, for, for good and ill, uh, the Wii U is a good explanation of what happens when you mismanage expectations and mismanage... Uh, audience communication mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see also like you could tell how dire the straight like you can tell how dire Nintendo's straights are by how much that they are willing to put specific emphasis on titles they know are a fa- long way off mm-hmm. so like early in the Wii U's life cycle you could tell that things that it had not launched well because they did a direct that was almost entirely for games that were at least two years off. <laughs> like, here's Xenoblade Chronicles X. It doesn't have a name yet. Not Xenoblade 2, but here it is. They're working on it. Here's freaking Bayonetta 2. We have nothing to show. We just paid to... We have just inked the deal to make sure that it happens. Here's Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem. More details coming sometime. We're going to make a new Zelda for this system. I'm shocked. <laughs> but yeah, like that was that was the kind of move that they pull when they are very clearly certain that like what's currently out isn't going to sell enough. So they need to really, really like give the impression that more is happening. Mm-hmm. <sighs> poor, poor Project Cafe. That was a weird. Uh, that was a weird working uh, like internal title for it. 
those are kind of yep. those are kind of fun to track through the ages. All their mm. all of the corporate internal titles for different uh, systems. Project Dolphin. Project Dolphin Ultra sixty four uh, slash Project Reality even earlier um, Revolution. Revolution Nitro. Uh, uh, Neptune. Oh, <laughs> an entire video game franchise based off of 32x. What could go wrong? Um, All sorts of things, but amazingly, most of them did not. <sighs> Only a few things went wrong, and not all of them. They could have gone more wrong. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, Sega was really into the planet na- uh, naming scheme because there was also the Mars. I can't remember which one. The, the Mars was the 32x standalone, and the Neptune was the 32x and Genesis together. There's the Saturn just released as Sega Saturn. I believe there is a very seldom referenced Sega Pluto that was just the Saturn with an internet connection. <laughs> Which is... Yeah! Finally, I can get my internet-connected Saturn so I can play frickin' Duke Nukem 3D with my friends. What am I doing with my life? Uh, I'm trying to think of like what Sega Saturn games have online capability. And it's like Duke Nukem 3D, Daytona USA... Net link edition. Uh, what a time. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the Dreamcast, which was just Katana. They actually made a they actually made an official logo for that. I believe there was a period where they thought they would just release it as Katana. Okay, there were five total compatible uh, Sega Netlink games that would be thus compatible with the... Uh, with the Sega Pluto, they were Daytona CC USA uh, Championship Circuit Edition, Netlink Edition. Yes, the word edition appears in that title twice. Uh, mm-hmm. Duke Nukem 3D, Saturn Bomberman, Sega Rally Championship, and Virtual on Cyber Troopers Netlink Edition. Edition, edition. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it really does bear mentioning how much of this was the unenthused AAA development scene from the Wii that also uh, that, but the Wii's like casual demographic didn't migrate because that controller is super complicated looking uh, <laughs> oh, poor poor Wii U <laughs> and thus no one will ever play Game & Wario again rip you forgot that game happened. Oh, I absolutely did. That's always fun to just sort of like roll off, rattle off a list of like like B tier Nintendo titles that like no one can be certain happened. How do you feel about? Let's let's go with another Wario. How do you feel about Wario Master Master of Disguise? Wasn't that supposed to be pretty good? No, it wasn't. Okay, it's terrible. It's <laughs> Never absolutely mind. hideous. Um, okay. How do you feel about Wario World for the GameCube? For the GameCube, what the hell is that? It's a treasure beat 'em up where you mostly do spinning pile drivers on random enemies. It's not very no, good. No, the question is, what is that? So the GameCube is a small box-shaped blue game console that Nintendo released many years ago. Excuse me, excuse me it was Indigo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, uh, what a strange. Oh man, let's all talk about the Panasonic Cube. The what? 
That was the GameCube with a DVD player in it. Okay. Released only in Japan. <laughs> okay, that existed. Okay. <laughs> very expensive, very, very expensive. Absolutely hideous. Uh, that was, the, that was the, the brief period where, like... Well, not really brief, but that strange period where a... Where Nintendo would like Nintendo and Sega both licensed out like versions of their hardware to be made by like electronics manufacturers. There's the pa- Panasonic Q. There's two different uh, Saturn variants made by third parties: Hitachi and JVC. Uh, there's the JVC also made a Genesis variant called the XI slash Multi Mega, depending upon where you're looking at it. Sharp made like a television with a super with a Famicom in it, and then later a television with a Super Famicom in it. And they also made a Famicom with a Famicom disc system in it, just all made by Sharp for some reason. Because somebody there was not too sharp, actually. Oh, ouch. (laughs) Those were apparently actually used a lot for uh, getting screen captures at the time. Mm hmm. They had a slightly nicer output. So. I guess everyone, that makes sense. Everyone gaze at the Panasonic cube. I don't want to. It's, it's festooned with buttons and a fake chrome exterior. Does it look like the Mac cube? Uh, I don't know what that looks like, so yes. <laughs> it looks like... It looks like a prop from a low-budget Star Wars knockoff. Oh, actually, yeah, kind of. Actually, it kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> the, the faux chrome at the front really does a lot, as well as the LCD screen that I can't even imagine what that's for. Uh, probably an LCD screen, but whatever. The point is, there's a screen on the front of it. I don't know what it's for. But yeah, this, this lasted, like, a year. Also, it's very strange to look at a GameCube controller branded with Panasonic. But yet, here we are. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, in general, yeah, I think we've kind of hit everything that failed on the Wii U, which is basically that nothing went right. Nothing. And not a single thing. Uh, Nintendo was also held back by not really, by having deferred uh, the time that they would have to spend... What, what is this? I, I don't know. Uh, okay. It just looks like our icons. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So I have a PS4 controller plugged in, and sometimes it does weird things if I'm not focused <laughs> on PS4 remote play. Which is... Oh. I have no idea what it just did. Okay, well, well uh, ignore that. But yeah, like Nintendo had also deferred the amount, the, deferred the time that they would have to come to grips with the uh, HD video game development, which meant that they spent the Wii U generation going through the growing pains of learning how to structure a team to deal with the increased asset load. So that didn't help any of those games coming out any faster. <laughs> oh, poor, poor thing. Remember the early Wii U... Uh, trailers where they showed multiple gamepads interacting and not a single version nothing ever came out that ever did that in fact I'm pretty sure you couldn't there was never a point where you could buy a gamepad separate from a Wii U anyway 
The only way you could get a second one is if your first one broke and you sent bought a refurb from Nintendo. Pretty much, yeah. And they were expensive. They were like $120. Yeah. Another reason, the console's price just basically never came down. Oh, this is really, really... These controllers, these gigantic controllers were so expensive. Why, Nintendo? Why? I understand what they were attempting, but I don't think that they had thought it all the way through. No. <laughs> uh, I think we might have hit this one last time, but... Budai asking, what was what are the two hardest mainline Final Fantasies? And two is obvious. (laughs) Two and uh, so which one did you say? Because I I didn't hear what you said. I said two is obvious. Yeah. Oh, well, Final a... Fantasy Ten Two can be just absolutely awful if you just skip too much, th- too many things. Yeah, super, super. Don't do that. You'll spend. You'll have to spend a long time grinding to if you're just trying to do a straight through line of the story. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like most of them are designed to kind of. Keep... Yeah, speaking of which, I'm not playing Ten Two anymore. So, haha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that game. I'm guessing it. Yeah, I went through went through a one of the generic new little dungeons where the boss that I had to absolutely take out was the weakest thing in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, because there were a couple random encounters in there that would and could just mess you up if you didn't immediately run, and there was no save point in the entire thing. Oops. I mean, it wasn't that long to begin with, but I would have really appreciated a save point right before that boss. Would have been nice. I'll have to replay that whenever I get around to picking it up on Switch. Uh, None of the other ones strike me as, like, super hard. Like, there's a lot of ones where, like, if you play it wrong, you'll kind of bark yourself. Yeah. Or something like Final Fantasy XIII's Poison the Final Boss, or else you're probably going to die. Yeah. Like, thirteen eventually comes to the point where it starts enforcing boss fights with timers. Uh, oh, which was it I was thinking of? Uh, FF9, if you're not paying enough attention to how... I've seen many people somehow not get how skills work in that game, which is going to really, really destroy you when the game expects you to have learned enough things like uh, that stop you from getting affected by certain status effects off of certain pieces of equipment. So if you've been selling those without actually finishing learning those, you end up in a very, very bad space. Uh, Especially because that game has a lot of status effects, a lot of weird ones. Uh, Eight has the thing where, like, unless you're doing... A lot of ex, unless you're doing extra work, if you're just trying to play it like a normal RPG where you just keep leveling up, the enemy stats are going to grow, going to grow faster than yours. Uh, I, I remember the story of this guy who was playing Final Fantasy VIII, and he managed to get, he managed to just power level himself up to level fifty at the very beginning, and then he went to go fight a freet. Oh no! Yeah. Oh. Has nobody ever explained to him exactly why this is a bad idea? 
<laughs> yeah. He learned quite quickly. In one way, quite quickly. In another way, very, very slowly. I can't imagine how you would power your level yourself up like that. Um, well, I mean, since all the enemies in that game upscale anyway, and it's only a thousand experience per level, mm. it's more possible than it would be with other games in the series. That's still yeah. really boring. Yeah, I'm sure I'll pick that. I'm sure I'll pick up the remastered version and learn to hate all over again. Um, <laughs> see, like... I'm currently playing 5 uh, in the 4-job Fiesta, but I mean, like, you'd have to get a really, really bad... You have to force yourself to stick to a really, really bad set of jobs to make that game hard. Yeah. Never, never forget someone successfully streaming an entire run where they only used 4 Berserkers. Oh, God. It's bad. Don't do it. <laughs> I think I'd put three up there as... Uh, Three's really hard. My other pick other than the two. It's like three... Three also, like... Three gets harder if you try to play it like a later game because you assume that's how the job system works. Ha <laughs> ha. Fair enough. It's like if Are you we talking to... about original three or DS3? Both, really. Like... Mm. neither of them is meant to be played that way DS3 kind of pretends that it's supposed to be played that way but it mostly just sort of made the last few jobs slightly more interchangeable in terms of power but I mean like you still aren't supposed to be using the same jobs for long periods of time you're supposed to replace them yeah they're, these are upgrades Yeah. except for the ones where you get the job and you don't actually have anything that can equip that they can equip yet <laughs> yeah and then you have to Fight a few battles so that your character gets used to it, and then switch back so that you can fight a few battles so your character's stats go back. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the game that uh, gets gets harder if you try to approach it from the wrong perspective. That is a perspective the player is likely to have if they've played later games. So, uh, um, but yeah, pro probably those NES era ones because they're all. Like mean and or broken, possibly both. Yeah, brutal. It's a good word. Yeah, they're they're brutal. Again, they're often broken. Mm -hmm. Large number of stat blocks in FF1 just don't work, which makes the game a great deal harder. Is uh, that another question? What was the last RPG you quit, and what was the reason you did? Hmm. Final Fantasy X2. <laughs> quite true yeah it's, it's not wrong but it's true yeah. but it hurts um, I, you know I might still go back to it at some point um, I mean for a while I was actually planning on doing a, like a regular feature of why I'm not playing this game anymore but I've been so awful about actually writing anything for the site for a year and a half anyway um, and never got around to it I blame you um, Let's see, previous winners would have been Final Fantasy VI Advance because, hey, I have played this game too many times before and it just hasn't aged that well when you can remember most of the text well enough to on-the-spot translate it from the Japanese <laughs> that you're currently playing. Um, yeah, it's just not worth it at, at a certain point. Sorry, sorry, Mac. Let me erase it in peace. Um... um yeah, I've been not finishing a lot more games than I've been finishing recently. 
I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I very rarely make a conscious decision to just stop playing a game. It's just like, oh, I just never got back around to it. Yeah. I'm hoping that I actually finish Saga Scarlet Grace this time. You have the ambition. <laughs> yeah, it's only, it's only my third time through. That's pretty good for a, some of the weirder Saga games. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not unlimited. <laughs> yeah. I just have to have to somehow remember exactly how you learn new spells in this game, <laughs> because I, I know that the character, the first char- magic character I have, is actually awful for learning new spells because she comes with the second tier spell of her element, and uh, so she's actually got to move her skill up, level up quite a bit before she can learn the third one for the element, and then she can learn the first, something like that. It, it's, hmm. yeah, it's the spell learning system had some issues. Which, I mean, to be fair, you're not actually supposed to be relying that much on spells to begin with. But it does get annoying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a recent one. What's that? I recently quit Dauntless after starting it briefly. Which one's that? It's the uh, free-to-play Monster Hunter clone. And I quit because it was a free-to-play Monster Hunter clone, basically. Yeah. You quit because you realized what it was. Yes. Like, this this is not as good. Why am I spending time on this? And it has... has, It's unlike... Say Paladins, which is the free to play Paladin, uh, not Paladin, free to play Overwatch y type game, it, which is still good because it does some different things. This one just, it's like, does not. It just seems really boring. So, so much for that. Uh, I think the game I quit, as in, like, We'll probably never go back to again. Would most recently, which is actually a few years ago now, would be Lord of the Rings: War in the North, because <laughs> my that game was bugged to hell, and I got into a save state where I could not could not advance the game. So, uh, yeah, screw that game. Although, also not screw that game because it was good, and I wanted to actually finish it. And done it. Broke. Yeah. Ugh. All right. What I'll else? What else do we get here for questions? What have I quit in the past? I oh, that's right. Of... What have you quit? I, I haven't. I don't consciously quit games very often. So there's a lot of stuff that, like, at, at any moment, I might pick it back up. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, like, the last thing I can think of where I was like gonna go at it and then just sort of like got bored real fast with uh, Tales of Vesperia Definitive where it's just like yeah it's still Tales of Vesperia I still don't care that much <laughs> but it's shiny now it's not it's, it's yeah, kind it's of the really same bad. as it always looks <laughs> it's Talesy it's Vesperia it's not even Xbox or Xbox One X or PS Pro enhanced it's just Tales of Vesperia yep yeah. 
There's occasional really jarring cuts in the voice acting. Uh, uh, what are some ways more RPGs can have non-violence? I presume it's like a focal concept. Uh, turn every fight into a uh, into a Phoenix Wright style verbal debate. Um, that would be the game The Devil's Advocate by a Swedish group, um, Swedish studio around circa 2012. Hmm. Very Any fun good? game. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was ba- uh, it was basically like a Phoenix Wright parody where your main character was an absolute weasel um, defending just ra- really random low lifes and you could um, you could use the proceeds from your court cases to buy items for your apartment or for your personal attire to boost various stats including <laughs> things like bribery and cross-examination hmm. <laughs> not very good cross-examination I mean like make the person break down in tears cross-examination it's not exactly a Perry Mason type no, no, not not unless you get your Perry Mason and pimp hat. Well, now I'm doing that, so I mean, well, now I can't undo that. So okay, uh, but yeah, I feel like incorporating non-violence into an RPG structure is going to always depend upon your like way of uh, you know, like the structure you give the game. Because I mean, there's a uh, Oops, I, I made, a, made a mistake on the title. The Devil's Attorney. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Devil's Advocate would have made more sense, but... <laughs> I understand why you messed up the title. Yeah. I had to look it up again. and You know, I'm going to see if it's on... If it's in, on Steam or not, because that would just be fun. Um, you got any ideas, Will? Uh... Not really. Nope. Well, My brain keeps saying farming, and it's like, no, stop. We've done that someone's enough. Someone's already done that. We've like done it a ton. Uh, Harvest Moon frantic farming for your Game Boy. But farming? No. No. We've done it. It's been done. Uh, corporate management. Uh. Oh, wait. Frantic farming was a DS game. Confusing it with puzzle. Oh, I got an idea. Make what? make an RPG where the quote unquote combat is you solving programming problems. Oh, that, oh, I can't. I don't think I'd be able to play that. <laughs> no, that that would just be tedious, tedious, tedious. You go back. You end up scroll. You reach a point where you're scrolling up, and you find out that the reason that uh, the the combat is resolved when you realize that someone misspelled a variable name fifty lines ago. <laughs> Could be fun. I mean, it can be satisfying, but I mean, like, how many of those can you possibly do before yeah, you just want to crawl in a hole and die? It, it would just it would just mostly think make me think too much about what I spend my non game time doing. So that's. I mean, that, but that's only if you make it realistic. If you make it more like Shadowrun or um, like Shadowrun um, Deckers, then true, true, true. Yeah. 
my brain just went straight for realistic and started having horrible flashbacks. Yeah, because that, yeah, that, that's the worst possible way to do it. Definitely. So, well, it's the, in other news, my second may be coming home by the end of the week. Because she is, news. yeah, she is just over five, um, she's just under five pounds. Oh, wow. And they will let her out of the hospital when she's just over five pounds. Soon. Soon. In about 150 grams, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing the conversion. I would have gotten confused. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, yeah. The cursed metric system is the devil. <laughs> My car gets 40 rods to the hogshead, and that's the way <laughs> I like it. No, 50 roods to the hod. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, I remember once looking up what 40 rods to the hogshead would be. Oh, um, actually, no, you're right. It's raw, um, Rude is the area measurement, sorry. It's uh, yard, chain, rod, furlough, mile, I think. Something like that. Yeah, the, the joke comes from an old episode of The Simpsons where Abe is, like, screaming about that. And, like, so I remember looking up... Okay, I think I found the calculation. One rod is about 16 and a half feet, or about 5 meters. 40 rods, thus being about 660 feet. <laughs> and a hogshead is 145 gallons. <laughs> what? So 40 rocks, rods to the hogshead is about... One, no, 0. 0. 63 5. gallons. 63 yeah. gallons. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, okay. Uh, like you're, you're getting, you're, at that point, you're measuring gallons to the mile, not miles to the gallon. <laughs> My car gets 40 rods to the hogshead, and that's the way I like it. Uh, <laughs> for the record, the only thing that was even in that neighborhood is like a freaking like experimental hovercraft. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a unit of measurement that's that primarily refers to really large barrels of <laughs> of wine or beer. Yeah, I mean this is like trying to measure something by the by a champagne bottle measurement because all the different bottles have different names. Yeah. So, like, the, the kind that you normally think of when you think champagne is actually the double-sized bottle called a, a Magnum. Mm. But if you want to get really crazy, you could try and order a Nebuchadnezzar. No, 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 no. Well, you wouldn't be able to because they only ever made one of those things, and it was to christen the Queen Elizabeth II cruise ship. <laughs> uh, that's that's that. because it's actually impossible to make champagne in the things. Because it is, in fact, like a 260-liter bottle or something like that. Um, the thing was huge. Um, I've, I've seen the second bottle that they made in that size, just in case the first one broke. <laughs> it's on display in a, muse in a champagne... Um, um, brasserie, uh, not brasserie, but... Um, in a champagne company warehouse in Rance, France. Hmm. Really impressive bottle. I would hope so. Yeah, you could probably house a small family in there. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> yeah. 
And how did I get rambling about the metric system? What what happened here? Um, I t- was talking about my dollar oh, yeah. and pounds and grams. Yeah, and then I did terrible things to thought processes. But yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they seem in order. Uh, let's, let's hit one more uh, Budai question before Wheels dies completely. No, How does it... totally fine. I'm good. We're pretending that you would be awake for this, which was really the funniest part. Uh, I even drank a small cup of coffee and it did nothing. <laughs> no help at all. No. Good job, Jesse. <laughs> uh, how does an Eastern view of religion shift how Japanese uh, developers have always handled having a god or deity in a video game? I suppose you could make the case even Western RPGs you do fight deities in D&D, but it's always been thematically different in most JRPGs. Um, uh, partly because in Japan, in Japanese religion, there is no central creator deity. Um, the central goddess of the pantheon is actually like the great-granddaughter of, of the oldest gods, and nobody's quite sure who those older gods are. Um, they're just mentioned. And if it's not your pantheon to begin with, you can just go to go to town with it yeah i mean that's that's what D basically did it's like oh not our pantheon <laughs> yeah so. except if you look at if you look at D D and pathfinder they are very very obviously a christian developed oh set absolutely of franchises because but, i mean the basics okay is like like very very like heaven hell everything yeah, but it, what, what I mean is more like the gods you're allowed to kill or fight or just be in conflict with are almost always gods that are like named after a different pantheon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the ones you can go to town with. But then again, you also have a different relationship with the uh, homegrown Shinto pantheon based on a lot of things. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, instead, like with Japan, instead you get some really crazy stuff because the, well, like in the 90s, there was, or 80s and 90s, there was a fascination with Gnostic belief from early Christianity, just for the hell of it. That's where you get stuff like Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's where you get Megaton, everything Megaton. Um... So ultimately tentacles its way to most every pantheon after a while, but um, <laughs> it's mainly starts. just because Megaton was the first one to really like go hog wild with it and just say, let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like uh, this is something that probably merits like a big long paper about it rather than something that we can answer more mm. definitively. Yeah. But the shortest answer would be in the case of Western religions portrayed in Japan or their um, their uh, XPs thereof, it's just that Japan does not feel that much of a connection with centralized religion. They think it's an interesting cultural thing, but not for them most of the time. And they have absolutely no problems with, for example, having heaven, hell, and every other possible afterlife all being some part of the same place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
or having the god of the universe actually be the source of all evil. <laughs> Which Love is that Demiurge. Yeah. Love that Demiurge. Depending upon your interpre interpretation, maybe just a fake god? Hard to tell. Well, I mean, let's see. We got for every uh, Dragon Quest Seven, where the devil's just the devil is pretending to be God. We also have a Final Fantasy Legend, where the creator is standing on top of the Tower of the World, looking down and just laughing at us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, big long giant kettle of fish that we don't have uh, the full expertise to do, but there's the short version. I expect your yep. thesis by the end of the week. Eat a dick. <laughs> uh, everyone want to... I don't know. Let's fill this out. Everyone want to touch on what they have been playing? Gaijin, you gave up on FF10 too, and you play, you're playing some Scarlet Grace. So... Yeah. I presume that's going okay? I presume that hasn't started that much yet. Oh, I mean, it, I'm like... Um, one, two, three. I'm through... Th Four major scenarios so far. Uh, uh, how many major scenarios would you say the game has? I'm not quite sure, but that's um, okay. Not really counting the first area that well, for this character, there wasn't much to do there. Um, see, there was the the marches with the land drawings. That was one. There was the province that got flooded. That's two. There was the province where I had to run around trying to find who this baby belonged to. That's three. There was the imperial capital city out on the lake, which was getting invaded. That's four. And Okay, let's say five, because I just ended a, an invasion in a different province. And uh, from there, one, two, three, four, at least seven different regions I haven't visited yet. Let's say ten different regions. Okay, is at least one of them isn't accessible by that character. Mm, yeah. That I know of. Yeah. That's saga for you. Yeah, um, this is a... This one really illustrates Saga's tendency to make really interesting worlds to look at. Mm. Yeah. Story? Still trying to figure it out sometimes, but... World? Awesome. At least it's cool to wander around the world while you're trying to figure it out. It's yeah. a very pretty looking game. Yep. Just, um, as soon as it comes out, I expect Wheels and I to have disagreements on how to pronounce every single place name in the game. Sounds about right. Because for some weird reason, um, they chose, out of all the languages in the world that they could have chosen to put together to um, as a style choice for place names, mm -hmm. they went with, um, organizationally, Latin. Yeah. So we see lots of um, like provincia and yeah. things like that. Then several sections of the map have Gaelic names, oh, including fine. several of the deities. So the deity whose name is spelled M A C H A is actually pronounced Vaha. Um, and then, <laughs> oh, and then for for even more fun, the imperial capital. Yeah is um, the imperial capital, the center of the entire empire, and the namesake of the same is Aswakan. <laughs> spelled A-Z-H-U-A-C-A-N. There are several areas of the map that are basically Nahuatl. Aztec language. Yeah. Wow. I hope they leave so, all these names intact in the localized version. 
Oh, no, I mean... They might if you re-spell look, if, them, but... No, 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 because all of these games are spelled out in Latin characters on the map. Oh, yeah, because <sighs> it has that kind of map. So, yeah, they yeah. probably... So, um, even if they yeah, wanted so to, they wouldn't have the budget to change them. Yeah, yeah so... Um, you can tell the the pronunciation is supposed to be when you're actually trying to get in there and it's telling you the name in katakana. <laughs> so I know that so I know that P I X M A R I G A N is pronounced Pithmaragan. Oh. Well, there are crazier event. ones involved too. Um, I presume this game has basically no voice acting because that sounds outside its budget. Oh, way outside. <laughs> Okay, so that's going to be a fun one as people try to work out how any of those are pronounced. <laughs> Good times. Oh, Good yeah. Time. Jim JRPGs is going to get confused by this video game. Oh, it's it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm sure I will mispronounce every last name. He, he's going to mispronounce all of them, get corrected, and then accidentally swear under his breath in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, like... Um, C-I-N-D-R-E-A. C-I-N-D-O-R-A. D-R-E-A. D-R-E-A. Sindra. Sandria. Uh. Because apparently they decided to go with French. Oh. <laughs> Why not? Trebian. <laughs> Trebian. Uh. Finally, so, uh, Tresman. <laughs> yeah. Le Grand I mean, Fromage. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be all fromage, but yeah. Let's. Oh, oh, oh. oh, well, that's an exciting preview for probably six months from now, and I'm terrified. Um, Wheels, I see you're playing <laughs> Destiny. Why yes. are, are you playing anything that isn't Destiny at this point? Yes, so uh, if you've happened to be watching the stream earlier on i was playing a bit of super neptunia rpg which is the new super oh, I, was, I made fun of neptunia without even realizing you were playing it yeah <laughs> it was very amusing to me it's the new game uh that's actually de- developed by some western developer and it's basically like plays like valkyrie profile neptunia what the hell uh, it's what the hell it seems okay so far. Uh, the one thing I can definitely say... It's not made by Super Spin. Yeah, yes. The, what, the one thing I can say I definitely like so far is instead of, like, the talking heads conversation style that, like, every JRPG with a small budget ever has used, <laughs> there's actual, like, character animations while they talk, which is cool. Uh, fun. But yeah, I mean, obviously I was playing with the volume off, so we'll see. You didn't I... have to hear what they sounded like. Yes, we'll we'll see. Uh, games I've actually been like digging into. Uh, I've been playing a lot of The Last Remnant on Switch. Um, I need to get back to that on yeah. computer. You, you you got it for me, and I still haven't finished it. Well, it it is a tough game to get into because it is it's certainly confusing. <laughs> No, oh, then my last laptop was failing massively by the end. Oof. So, so yeah, I just haven't gotten it back on this computer yet. Uh, I need more Skullduggery. Yeah. Um, 
should pick up Last Remnant, but I also want to pick up Collection of Mana. Yes, uh, I've, I've been playing a bit of that too. I don't really have much to say. It's those games are perfectly emulated, uh, and it's nice to have an official translation of Trials of Mana. And people will be debating the choice about uh, how they've localized Charlotte's dialogue forevermore. Yeah. So that's fun. It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> Everything's <sighs> fine. Everything is awesome. Let's see what else. Nope. Um, I played about 10 minutes of Bloodstained on Expone. Uh, it is Igavania as. Uh, okay, I actually avoid swearing. It's super Igavania. I don't really have anything else to say other than that. It's that's that was my impression when I played it at PAX. That continues to be my impression, and it's not really a bad thing because it's exactly what you wanted. It's very <laughs> polished and seems very good. So, um, yeah, I can ponder doing that on the stream as we stream this tonight, but it's, I'm like, there's going to be so many people streaming that game that that's kind of boring. There's a lot of people streaming that game, and also, I can't look at it. Because my copy's not here yet, and I have a blood pact to not play it until I'm hanging out with a friend oh, later. So. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I will probably be playing a lot of that game, because I, I have it on Xpone, and I'm getting my backer copy on Switch next week, so... Yep. So you're saying you purchased it separately on Xbox? Correct. Such wow. such was my want for this game. That's your devotion. Yes. Playing uh, it on Xbox One X. I don't know if you have that. <laughs> I do. Yes. Okay. I should. Uh, let's see what else. I randomly started up Shining Resonance Refrain. How many games are you playing? Eh, whatever. <laughs> it was just in a Sega mood. I wanted something Sega, so it's like, okay, this is a slightly more interesting to me at the moment than playing a tr uh, Tales game, so I will play this. But yeah, it's mostly going to be uh, Last Remnant and uh, Trials of Mana on my Switch for a while. And uh, my plan is to successfully finish a playthrough of Romancing Saga 2 before 3 comes out. Which I, believe. I should probably get on because there's always the chance that they're randomly like, oh, 3 is coming out like now. So <laughs> They keep saying Pro coming soon, which is super ambiguous. Yeah, I, I should probably get on top of that. <laughs> so how much, do you, how much are you willing to spend on blood? On blood? Yes. <laughs> Listen, you uh, bought a blood stain. Perhaps you would be interested in purchasing my blood. <laughs> uh, which, what's your blood type? Oh. I believe negative, not sure. That, RH factor, not guaranteed. Is that the universal donor one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk off stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you playing? I'm not, I haven't had time to play things. I'm doing, uh, uh, listeners, listeners, I don't, I don't get much time to play. I went back to taking coursework late last year and so much of my time Yay. is taken up on Yes, I, I I realize this because I've been. He's had to listen to it. Yes, it it <laughs> was it it was fun when you're working on Java because it's like I know this instead of like C plus C plus plus where it's like I don't I, might, I don't even want to know the answer to this. Yes, that terrified him. 
Uh, like, I haven't I haven't had to look at C plus plus since uh, I was in college, and I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> Let me tell you about accidentally using the wrong kind of new with the wrong kind of delete. Oh God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna stay in my nice safe Java world. Uh, tell tell me about uh, tell tell me sing songs of the uh, of the different uh, of inheriting interfaces versus extending. Uh, is there a difference? It, no extend. Well, well, you you don't talking, extend an interface. Yeah, we talking Java. Yes, we're talking Java. Oh, but do you know the difference between an abstract class and an interface? Uh, it's kind of a split hair, but I think if you gave me a minute, I could give you a decent explanation. Yes. They're actually very cool. Abstract classes are. Yeah, yeah. It makes more sense to extend an abstract class. Yeah, I will. I will give you the answer. The answer is an abstract class can have defined functions, oh, whereas interface cannot. So. And it can also have like not defined functions. Like here's, here's. It can have a mix of them. Right. Right. You have to you have to implement this function, but hey, these ones are already implemented for you. These ones are free. They're quite handy. C plus plus has abstract classes as well, but it doesn't have interfaces, which makes the distinction more confusing. (laughs) This has been programming quest. (laughs) Let's not do that. Let's never do that again. Uh, all right. Uh, is that sure. it? Anything else? Things? Items? Uh, no. Uh, we, okay. oh, we probably should have checked the Q&A uh, quest section of the Discord for questions while oh. we were doing that. F! There was we kind of forgot there. that existed, didn't we? I completely forgot that existed. Well, I mean, Q&A quest it just has you uh, making Kefka faces at... Oh yeah, I recall that. Law whoops. And Law Loops posting really weird art, I guess is the right word. He's drawing, yeah. Let's show up occasionally. But uh, yeah, I think he had a couple questions. We will save those for next time in case we run out of questions. Yes. We don't have a lot right now. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, send us your thoughts and stuff. I, I had... I swear I was going to put out a question there for our audience. can't remember what the hell it was. Well. Um, so I'll throw out this E3 one. E3 blew your brain. Yes, yes, E3 ruined my mind. Tell us what you are most excited for by E3, and um, maybe what some of your disappointments were. Apparently I was the only one excited by the trailer for Avengers, so... It was, it was no, that's just a title that will bring out all the criticism, no matter what. It's also true. Listen, someone, so, there has to be one Dark Crystal Tactics fan out there. I think it looks cool. Quite a few, apparently. <laughs> I no, I was, cool. I was more joking about like someone being really ready to stomp for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, uh, otherwise... Uh, questions in the comments section or on Discord. Both of them are fine. There's a special place for them now. We promise we will read from it next time. Uh, Otherwise, uh, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.